One thing, just real quickly. Uh, back while we still lived in Oklahoma, I was called the pastor of church in Oklahoma City. Uh, I was there for three years, and when I took the, the call, uh, I, I was told spiritually that it's not going to be for a long time. And uh, the church had had, a lot, had, had troubles, and there, it, there was a toil in it. And uh, <laughs> I found out that if I would start a song coming to this place, I don't know that it helped them, but it helped me. I didn't do it because I thought I could sing. I just needed help. I needed some comfort, consolation. And so I've done that for a long time. Please don't misunderstand why I do that. Several years ago, I was called to uh, Illinois, out of, outside of Carthage, Illinois, to, to preach. And uh, Elder Henry Newman had been there before. And he told me, he said, they, they may not do everything just like we do. And I said, uh, so I, I was cautious about that. Sure enough, they didn't. Um, when it came time for communion on Saturday afternoon, they took the bread, they took the wine, but they didn't wash the saints' feet. Now, there are primitive Baptist churches that don't do that. I, I, at supper that night, I was at a farmer's house, and he, he was just 84-year-old, and, and he told me, he said, every time it comes time to plant, i got to plant again. He said, I've always said I'm not going to do this, but he said, when it comes time, I have to do it again. So we were in conversations, and in my preaching that morning, I had used a quotation about the essentials and the non-essentials. Um, so as we're sitting there, we, they're talking, and one of, the one of the daughters said, so you think that washing the saints' feet is a non-essential? I said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am, that's not what I think. I think it's an essential. I said, I think it's, we're following what the Lord has shown us to do. There's proof. I, you, don't have to, you don't have to look very hard <coughs> to find out that he, he tells us we ought to do, it'll be good for you if you do this. She said, you know, and it was strange. One of the older women said, you know, we used to. And she said, we don't anymore, but I have no idea why we don't anymore. Things like that can slip from our hands easily. And we need to be very careful. I'm looking forward this afternoon to take the bread, ingest it, and remember the body of Jesus Christ, my all in all, and then to take the fruit of the vine, the wine, and drink from it and remember the blood that was shed for us. And then I long, I long to fall at your feet and to wash your feet. World rejects it. Many religions in the past have done it, and now they don't do it anymore. But praise be to God. We realize it is an essential for us to wash each other's feet. <clears throat> and as often as we do that, it's going to be comforting and peaceful to us. As you're turning to the 16th chapter of Ezekiel, young young lady in our church that has come uh, I say young lady, she's a full-grown woman. We're thankful for her, but she was of an another belief. And <clears throat> we had conversations, and, and she said, you know, in, in the preaching that you do of the apostles' doctrine, she said, it gives me freedom. And she said, all these years, I have not had freedom. 
I have to be, be concerned about, am I doing enough? I have to be concerned about, will my sins keep me in a position where I won't go to heaven in immortal glory? She said, my actions are such that, that if I continue in them, well, I no longer have this blessing. And she, she says, so what you preach, what you teach us, is that it's by the pure grace of God. That, 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 that he knew us before the foundation of the world. That, that the triune God had chose out a people. And those people will one day, by the grace of God, be changed. And the Spirit of God will come upon them. And it will be in a personal situation. It will be as personal for one as it is the other. I was thinking this morning, there's no telling how many millions of people today will be born again. And we, we don't even know that. Why? Because the Spirit of God blows upon them. It blows upon them. But you realize each one of them, it's a personal issue. I can be very honest with you. I do not know when it happened in my life. I feel that it has because my, my eyes feel filled with tears when I think of it. When I think of what all he has done for me, I, I, I overflow. So I, I have a hope. I have a hope that one day, when all of this is over, that I'll see him face to face. And I'll see him by his grace and by his mercy, and in spite of everything that I might have done here upon this earth. That his grace is such that it, it goes past our sins. His life upon the cross, his, his, his death upon the cross, his burial, his resurrection, and final ascension into heaven is such that one day, one day, because of what he has accomplished, what he has done, we'll be there together. You sing wonderfully. I love the way that you sing. I, I, I can't sing everything you sing because you, you, you know songs that I don't know, but I, I, it doesn't keep me from enjoying it. But do you realize there's coming a day that, that, that it'll, be, it'll be one of the most beautiful sacred harp gatherings that there ever has been. Because we're going to be singing praise to him. And we're going to be singing a new song. I saw a lot of new songs. This, I, I enjoyed last night. Uh, I, I, I probably missed half the notes, but I enjoyed the attempt. I enjoyed it. And, 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 and you just get faster and faster. And, and I'm, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to get along and forget that. But, you know, one day, one day. We're not going to need songbooks anymore. <laughs> One day, his grace and his mercy is such that we're going to sing a new song. And you have never sung it. And you're not going to sing it until that day. And we're going to sing, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. He's, he's worth all of our praise. He's worth all that we can muster. He's, he's worthy from the example that I fall down and wash your feet. And you, you fall down and you wash our feet. I doubt this church is any different than the church I've pastored and the church I've pastored at home. And here's the truth of the matter. There are some people that are not going to be at church on Sunday when it's communion time. And you know why? They have not got past the understanding that somebody's going to wash their feet. And they have not got past the understanding that they're going to fall down and wash one another's feet. But friend, praise be to God that this afternoon that's going to occur. It's going to happen. Look at the 16th chapter 
of, of, uh, of Ezekiel. First verse. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man calls Jerusalem to know her abominations. Now, Ezekiel is, is speaking, and, but he's speaking with the authority and with the very voice of God himself. And he said, this is, this is what you say to Jerusalem. Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite. Thy mother was a Hittite. What that means is they're of the world. They're, they're, they're worldly. And in our lineage today, that's the case also. Go on with me. And he said, as far thy nativity, as far as, as the day that you were born, as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee, and, and, and was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. To be very honest with you, I don't know a lot about birthing babies. Four and a half years ago, I was in a hospital, and, and I believe some others that were here in the congregation, they had a little baby in the hospital also. We were at the same hospital. And I sat out in the, in the room there, and uh, I, I, had, I had been to one other birthing in my family, and I really shouldn't have been there. Uh, I, 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 my mind was seared by some of the things that I saw. Never should have been there. And so they knew that. And you know, here's what they said. They said, Granddad, you sit here and you watch over our purses. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to get a, this iPhone, and we're going to call into your granddaughter's iPhone, and you're going to be able to hear everything that's going on. I settle for that. I'm happy with that. Keeps me where I need to be, and I'll watch the purses. That's not a problem. It's, it's not less of a man thing. It's just where granddad needs to be. And I'm listening. And she's saying, oh, that hurts. And my heart hurt for her. And it wasn't, it wasn't 30 minutes till she is <laughs> screaming over that phone. And, and my wife didn't believe this, and she chastised me for saying it. But, but my granddaughter said some words that I never even knew she knew what it meant. And they were not nice words. They were words that just showed the pain that she had, the agony that she had. And, and, and I, I mentioned that one time my wife was present. And I don't know you other brethren if it's the situation that, that you, you don't have a better critic than that person that you married. And my wife said to me, she never said that. I said, really? Really? So the next time we find my granddaughter, I said, did, did, when you were in such pain, what did you scream? She said, Granddaddy, I just can't say those words again. She said, I'm so sorry they came out of my mouth. I didn't mean to say them. I didn't mean to do it. And I looked at my wife and gave her that grin, you know, where I'm, I'm right one out of a hundred. And, and when I get there, I want all the justification that I, I can get. But in this situation, here's, here's what happened. That baby was born. And that baby's neighbor, that, the, the cord was not cut. And that's the first thing that needed to happen in this situation. Why? Because the, the, if that navel's, if that cord's not cut, that baby will will die in the in the, in the blood that 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 is 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 so full of full of corruption and all. So so very important. First thing, the cord's about to cut. You you agree with that? And 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 the next thing is they're going to take that little baby and they're going to wash it up and they're going to clean it up and it's going to just be spotless. 
my wife and I just showing how much uh, how much the Lord has has empathy for us and love for us. We were married nearly one year and we had twins. We were poor. But in this situation, I'm sitting in a hospital there, and I, I'm sitting by a phone, and, and the nurse said, now, when, when the first baby comes, that phone's going to ring, and you pick it up. I said, I'll do that. The phone rang. I got it. My wife said, we have a boy. I said, great, great. She said, i got to go. I said, okay. Hung the phone up. 18 minutes later, the phone rings again. I pick up the phone, and she said, we have another boy. I said, great. Do not call me back. <laughs> hung the phone up and and she did you see and and the first time i saw them they were clean but when when they were born they were not clean when they were born there was something that had to happen the cord had to be cut and they had to be cleaned up and then what happened they just like jesus was they were swaddled and there they are there's the baby that never happened with you nobody cared nobody cared to show you the kindness and show you the grace that you as a little child deserved. And there you are in your sin. And there you are without any love whatsoever. And then something glorious occurred. None I'd pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Sixth verse. And when I, when I, when I passed by, when I passed by thee I, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, said, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, I said unto thee, what a terrible predicament you're in. You need to pray harder for your situation. Or maybe you need to hear the gospel proclaimed. Or, or maybe you need to come to the water and be back. That's not what happened. Look at what he said. He said, and when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted on thy own blood. I said unto thee, and then when thou wast in thy blood, what did I say? Live. And guess what happened? Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. In this situation, grace, mercy came to the children of grace. And it was a personal situation. I want you to go just real quickly, if you don't mind, this morning to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I believe that, that when, when the, the life eternally happens, that it's a personal thing. It's not a personal thing that we cry for it. It's, we, didn't, we don't even know that we need it. We don't even know it's available. We're happy in our sin. We would live the rest of our days in, in our sin continuously. But then when something happens, we become a changed individual. Great division in our churches many years ago about that very thing. What they said was, well, at the moment of, of, the, moment of, of, of the, the new birth, uh, man doesn't know anything about it. Some of them said it's just like a rabbit running through a hollow log. There's no, there's no feeling at all. But some said that the whole man was changed. Let me tell you, friend, there's got to be some change when the power of God comes upon a sinner in this lifetime and, uh, and they realize from some way, somehow, some, some position that they're a different individual, that something has happened. I don't know when that happened to me, but I can point you to one. And I'll tell you, he didn't know when it happened either. 
That when, when John, the, the, the little babe, was in his mother's womb, when, uh, uh, when Mary came to where Elizabeth was, what did John do? In that position, in her, in her womb, what? He leaped for joy. Did John know that at that time? I doubt that seriously. I wonder how he found out about it. I think Mama told him. I tell you, I think she said, you're not going to believe this. But when you were within my womb, when you were within me, when, when the very presence of the, of the Messiah came, even in his mother's womb, you leaped for joy. I don't know when that happened in my life. And I have a hope continuously that it has occurred. And I have a hope that is so grand. I hope that one day I'll see him face to face. And us together, we will worship him. There's going to be a supper at the Pharisee's house. And Lord Jesus Christ had been invited. He wasn't being invited because the Pharisee had such great love for the Christ. The Pharisee wanted to be seen. And he wanted to be able to say, look who's coming to my house. He calls himself the king of the Jews. He calls himself the Messiah. But he's coming to my house and he's going to sit and sup with me. But there was someone in the street and someone that had a desire to come. Uninvited, she came to where Jesus was in this situation and one of the Pharisees desired, in 36 verse 7 chapter, one of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. And when he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. I, 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 I love how that's phrased. The whole, the whole town knows her situation. The Pharisee knows her situation. And certainly Christ knows her situation. But she's coming with a, with a desire. She has a desire within her, and she's carrying something. And when she comes to where Christ was, look what occurred. 38th verse, she stood at his feet behind him, what? Weeping. This afternoon, when we wash one another's feet, somebody's going to supply water. I don't know how you do it. Maybe it's in a basin. Maybe it's individuals that I've already found. I don't know. But somebody's going to supply the water. There was no water supplied for her to wash his feet. But you know what she did? I got a feeling. This is my feeling only. And I'll be like John Henry Thrower. If you disagree with me, that's right where I disagree with you. In this particular situation, I, I, I think she saw her situation. And she saw where she had come from. And she saw whose presence that she was in. And she saw face to face her Redeemer. And it brought her to tears. One of the greatest things that can happen in our life is us being moved from our position in this life to where so many things beset us. And we get the proper uh, glimpse of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it brings us to tears. Right. And we cry for it. The songs that we sing, sometimes they, it brings us to tears. The preaching of the gospel, sometimes it brings us to tears. But also in our great need, sometimes it brings us to tears that we understand who he is and we understand his power. But greater than that, we understand the love that he has for the elect family of God. And she felt that. And she knew that. She cried. An abundance of tears. And she began to wash his feet and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. When I see this, when I read this, I get the, I get the picture in my mind of this, of this woman. And her hair's beautiful. And it's black. And it's long. 
And, uh, and, and very well, she may have spent some time, like you might have this morning, of getting it just right. But now it didn't matter. It didn't matter how beautiful her hair was, because here's the purpose of it. The tears that she cried upon his feet, her, her, her hair she took and she wiped it dry. And she had something with her. She had an alabaster box. An alabaster box was of great worth, and, and in it was an ointment or an oil that, that was, was, was pretty expensive. And I don't doubt that this had been her family for some time. She brought that box, and she broke that box. Probably one of the greatest possessions that she has. You realize sometimes in our life, when we get that close to him, there are things that we need to shed. There are things that we need to remove. There are things that sometimes catches our attention and catches our fancy. And uh, it's beneficial for us, especially when we're facing a time like this afternoon when we're going to take communion and we're going to wash one another's feet. Everything else ought to be removed. And our focus is upon our worshiping Him. She broke it. You know, that evidently happened twice. And, and, and this is, it, 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 one time it, it happened just before his crucifixion. But this is about two years before his crucifixion. And she broke the box. And she took the ointment. She communed with him. 39th verse, Pharisee saw what, uh, what, uh, what had happened. And he said with himself, if this man were a prophet, if this man were a prophet, he, he would have known what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. For she is a Sinner. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I, I'm the greatest sinner of them all. And I realized the things that probably brought Paul to say that. But in our mind about ourselves, it is important for us to understand and to know that Paul may be in first place, but we're right behind him. And our sins are such that we cannot handle them ourselves. We cannot go into a box somewhere with, with a petition with a, a preacher on one side and us on the other and us confessing what we've done and him finding something for us to do to take care of them. We have a Savior that has paid for our sins. We, we have a Savior that openly upon the cross gave his life and gave it for us that, uh, uh, that we might point to him and say he's the savior of his people. And, uh, uh, and the, the Pharisee said, if, if this man were what he says to be, if this man were, he would have known what kind of woman this is. Look what, what Christ says. Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And Simon says, Master, say on. He said there was a certain creditor which had two debtors, one owed 500 pence, the other 50. You get the picture? And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? One had a, had a debt that was quite large. One had a debt that wasn't quite as large. But, the, but that man that held the, the, the debt or needed, that had gave them the money, he, said, he gave, forgave them. You don't owe me a penny. You don't owe me a thing. So in that situation, Simon, which one would love him the most? Look what Simon says. I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and he said, thou hast rightly judged. Now look what he says. Seest thou this woman, Simon? You can't get much more personal than that. I doubt 
that I, I'm sure there was more than one woman that was gathered there that day. But in this particular situation, Christ says, see thou this woman. He didn't say see everyone. He says, hey, how personal this is. It comes personal to her. See thou this woman. He said, I, I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no wash for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, this woman, Simon, this, this woman right here, this woman that you're characterizing as a sinner, the, the woman that you're characterizing that this man, if he was to what he said he would be, if he was that, then, uh, 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 then uh, he would know what she was, and he wouldn't have anything to do with this woman, this woman. He said, well, my head with oil, thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Isn't that a glorious thought? If we were to stand before Christ, and, and we were to stand in a position to where he saw us and he, 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 he saw us. You, you know what has already been said? Upon the cross, when he said, it is finished, the sins of mankind that he was given in a covenant position before the foundation of the world, they, they were blotted out. You have them no more. They're, they're not there. They're, they can't hang that on you because of what? Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is finished. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this one this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I send thee her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Why? For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. Friend, that's shouting grounds. That's, that's ground where, where we realize what that occurs. We realize what that's done. That's shouting grounds for the, for the children of God to realize and understand that he sees God today, sees the elect family of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and they, he sees them as if they had no sin at all. That's your position today. Is that not personal? Is that not a situation to where he sees us and we in our sinful condition realize he sees us as fit subjects for heaven and immortal glory. Go with me just real quickly, if you don't mind, to the 23rd chapter of Luke. Personal. It's personal. When, he, when you were born again, it was a personal situation. Jesus Christ suffering upon the cross. Many beautiful words that he had said. He's in the middle cross and there's two men, one on each side of him. And they're justly there. They're, they're where they should be. And I believe one of them, I believe him to be on the right hand of Christ, was upon the cross. And they were both, they were both talking against, they were both bringing up uh, against him in their mouths. And they were, they were ragging on him. You know what they were saying? He said, if, if you're really the king of the Jews, just call upon your father and he'll give legions of angels to come and save you. If, if, if you can't save yourself, how can you save us? And you know what occurred? The winds of salvation blew. And who did they blow on? They blew on one. And they did not blow on the other. And you know what the world says today? That's just not fair. That's just not fair. Friend, there's election. There's choice. 
The one uh, that at one moment ago was screaming against Christ now is saying these words. Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we justly, for we receive the due reward of our sins. But this man, now how in the world did he learn these things? How did he know them? The world tells you today that it must be a preacher involved in order for that to happen. There is no preacher. The world will tell you today that you must be baptized in order for these things to be effective. There was no baptism. What there was was the blowing of salvation upon one of the children of grace. Upon him and not another. And brought him to the position to be able to say, this man, this man is, is suffering unjustly. We're suffering justly. We've, we deserve what we're getting. We deserve what is happening to us. And he said unto Jesus, I love these words. This is one of my, my, favorite, my favorite points. He said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. How did he know that? How did he have that knowledge? Where, where did that come from? You know where it came from? It came from the throne room. It came from heaven and immortal glory upon that man, on, I believe to be, upon the right hand of Jesus Christ. This man, this man, just not fair. Why didn't it blow on the other? Why did it not happen? Because this man was one of his. This man was a child of grace. This man, the winds of salvation blew, and when it blew, it gave him information to know about who it was in the middle. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Where's paradise? Our little town we live in, Azel, Texas, outside of town, there's another little town, and it's called Paradise. I've always wanted to live in paradise. I thought that'd be good to have that kind of that kind of uh, mail mail repeat. People write down paradise. This boy, this man lives in paradise. You know, it's not paradise in paradise. <laughs> it's just like it is in Azel. They got people fighting. They got drugs on the street. They got burglaries going on. It's just a name. But this is not just a name. Where's paradise? Paradise is wherever he is. That's where I want to be. That's where one day I want to see him. I, 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 this, this low ground of sin and sorrow, it works a toil on us. It brings us, especially it seems like it's more so today than it has been in some time. Things that are happening, things that we never, we never thought were ha would happen are happening. Lives are changing. Lives are changing. I like to tell the story, and I hope you don't mind if I tell you today. I was raised in Dallas, Texas. Down from my house in Dallas, on the east side of Dallas, uh, it was a bus stop Saturday mornings. I was about 11, 12 years old by myself. I would go to the bus stop, and I would catch a bus, and I would go to downtown Dallas by myself, get off. I would get off at the library. I'd go to the library and see what's going on. And then about noon, come out, go down two blocks to the Orange Julius. You probably don't know what that is, but they have chili dogs, <laughs> and they have orange juice. And I, I would get a couple and drink it, and then the biggest decision of the day would come. Which theater? There's the Majestic, and there's the Palace, 
and the palace has got a uh, got a pipe organ that comes in between shows, comes up out of the floor, and it just shakes that building. It sets power. And uh, so, sometimes I would go just to hear that pipe organ. About three thirty or four that afternoon, I'd go back to the bus stop. I'd catch the bus, and I'd go home. Nobody bothered me. Nobody even looked at me. I was safe in the in the streets of downtown Dallas to do. But but friend, times have changed. The times have changed. Nobody in their right mind is going to let their 10 or 11-year-old child take that route today. Can't do it. And I don't, I don't care if it's in the country. I don't care if it's in the greatest metropolitan area that you can imagine. I don't care. It's ju- it just can't happen. Why? Because society has deteriorated to the point that you just can't do it. But you know what hadn't changed? What hadn't changed is the grace and love of the Lord himself. We see it in our children. We see it in our church services. We see it in our homes. We, we see it individually. We see it personally. When we have problems and situations that we don't even seem to be able to handle, what happens? He comes to us and he gives us grace and mercy. And he tells us, you can press on. You can press on. My daughter-in-law had cancer. She was 46 years old. And, and, and toils of cancer took her life. My son, we, we buried her. And after the, cemetery, after the funeral that night, I'm sitting out in the backyard with my son just by ourselves. I said, I'm going to tell you, son, I've tried, I've tried to teach you through my errors and teach you through my needs of how, how to handle situations. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how to tell you how to handle this situation. I don't know how to tell you about the loss of a wife. I don't know how to, I don't know how to tell you how to, other than there are one that, are, that, that sits in heaven and immortal glory upon the right hand of God that makes intercession for us. And I think it behooves us, son, that we pray continuously unto him for grace to come through this valley. You know that, what, what, what other situation do we have? What other situation? The, the announcement of cancer in our homes. What other situation? The, the announcement of, of great uh, um, anxieties and great depression. What, what other choice do we have but go to His grace and his, uh, his throne and beg Him for grace and mercy to press on for just a little while longer? 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Look down at the 8th verse. No, I I want to go a little higher. We'll hurry. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep, shearer, a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the, uh, out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. 
and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth those words written some nearly 750 years before the actual crucifixion of Christ himself God blessed a man in that time Isaiah to be able to write these things glorious things that we still go to, to even today but in, in this situation, remember Philip and the eunuch? The eunuch was reading this, but he, he didn't understand who the he is. Who, who's he talking about? Is the writer talking about himself or him talking about someone else? And in that, Philip was given the greatest opportunity and the greatest subject matter for a sermon in the history of sermons. And what did he do? He opened his mouth, and what did he do? Well, he chastised that eunuch. You, you ought to be thinking, no, no, friend. He preached Jesus Christ. Didn't know who he was. We're blessed today that in this, we know who the he is. We know it's Jesus Christ. But look at, look how personal this is. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I said that one time in a sermon, and a young teenage girl in our church come, and she's in tears. She said, Brother Webb, I don't understand what it means. Why, why did it please the Lord? Because the Lord saw the finished subject. The Lord saw uh, of that, of that man, mankind through the shed blood of Christ would be forgiven for their sins. Uh, and in, in that, uh, that great schism that was between mankind and God himself, it was done away, and it pleased him. He was happy for it. He wasn't happy that his son was bruised. He wasn't happy that his son was injured. He was happy in the final result. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When, he sh when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. When his soul is made an offering for sin, he'll see all of the elect family of God. He'll see all that he is suffering for. Friend, that's pretty personal. That's pretty personal for us to understand today. That, that, that involves us. That ought to bring us up from the mully grubs. That ought to bring us up from the depression. That ought to bring us up from the concerns for tomorrow. That it, that it pleased the Lord to, to, to bruise his son. And that when he's on the cross, he's paying the price. He sees us. And he sees us individually as well as collectively. He sees the entire family of God. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make offering for his sin, he shall see us eat. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Eleventh verse. He shall see the travail of his soul. He sees the pain. He sees the agony that's going to come all these years later. He sees the travail of his soul. And in seeing that, and he shall be satisfied. When the Lord upon the cross suffered as he had suffered, and he laid his head on his bosom, and he said, it is finished. I don't know but what those words should be placed on the interior of our minds that we see them constantly. It is finished. Why is that so important? Because if you believe that, you're in the minority of God's people here on this earth today. If you believe it's finished, 
If you believe it's done, the world will call you all kinds of names and have no understanding of how you got to where you are. How that belief came to bring you to a position that you feel satisfied with the work of Jesus Christ. That understanding, friend, gives you freedom. That understanding that he paid it. I don't have to pay it. I don't have to worry about, uh, did I do enough? I've had, I've had mothers in the past. I'm worried about my son and my daughter. They're out doing this, and I'm not sure that they've done enough. Friend, don't live in that bondage. Live in the full understanding that he loved you to the extent that he gave his son and the son saw the son suffered the travail or of the pain of birth near unto death. He saw it and he paid the entirety of the price. And he was buried. And he arose again. Third day. And when he arose, he gave us a hope. One day, one day, when this world is over, when the world has gotten to the, to the point of, 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 of such a sinful condition, and the, the, Lord, the Lord God Jehovah says to his son, son, it's time, it's time. Even the angels don't know when that is, but he'll say it's time, it's time. Go get my children. I think Paul felt like it was going to happen in his lifetime. I think Paul awoke every morning with, with the hope and understanding that maybe today's the day. I think that's a key for a good successful life here upon this earth. That we have, we have such a hope and understanding that if it's not today, surely it'll be in the morning. And if it's not in the morning, surely it'll be before. Surely he's coming again. And you know the answer to that? He is. He is. It may not be till we have tasted death. It may not be till we have been interred into the ground. But praise be to God. He's coming. And in that great morning, bodies are going to be raised all over this world. And they're going to enter into heaven and immortal glory. And you know what's going to happen? The angels will have to step aside. Why? Because they've been made. They have not been redeemed. And the family of God will enter into heaven and immortal glory, singing a glorious song. It won't have a bass lead. It won't have an alto lead. Give it up. <laughs> we'll all sing together. And we'll sing his praises. There's something within me that longs for that. There's something within me. That just says, I've just got to have that. I, I hope I have that in my lifetime, but if I don't, and I don't, I'm not sure how big a crowd I can draw at my, my funeral. I hope it's enough that it'll carry my casket. Because I believe, like a brother said yesterday, I believe we should be interred in the ground. I don't believe we're taught to be burnt. I don't believe it. And, and I know, that, I know that's, that's something that's happening more and more. I have more and more funerals. The body's not there except in a little jar. And I don't, I'm not making fun. Really, friend, I'm saying Christ suffered. And he gave up the ghost. And he was placed in the ground. And three days later, he was raised. I think, I think that's, that's the key for us. And we, in the ground, awaiting that day. Awaiting that day. And when it comes, going to give that grave up. 
going to give that grace. Je Jesus was only in the, in the tomb three days, and it was barred. Why? Because he wasn't going to need it but three days. I don't know if Joseph Arimathias ever used it again. I don't, I don't know, but I do know this. He, does, he doesn't need that grave anymore. And that's the hope. He's the first fruit of those that slept. There's our hope that one day we'll be just like him. And all this will be over. You have such a beautiful setting here. I love the trees. I love this little church. I love the people that are in it. But praise be to God, we got something better waiting on us. We got a place that the world does not understand. I thank you for your attention. <clears throat> thankful for what we've heard much of what brother Larry has preached to us is what the Lord has done for us that we could not do for ourselves and when he would refer to us he'd refer to it in a way that it's because of grace and mercy that we have received it that we are beneficiary of the work of our Lord so it begs the question what can we do yes uh, we certainly can't repay the Lord. It's certainly a debt of gratitude that we'll never be able to repay. But I tell you, an angel song can do no more. So what can we do? Well, the Lord himself says, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see, talk is cheap. If you love me, show it. Show it. So we stand and sing number 558. Let me just read the first verse of that song. What shall I render to my God for all his kindness shown? My feet shall visit thine abode. My song address thy throne. So if you have a desire, if you love the Lord, you have a desire to keep the commandments of God, my friends. There's no greater commandment than just your actions to show that you believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of, that Lord, of our Lord and Savior, which is through the act of baptism. Stand and sing, number 558, after the first verse, we'll ask Brother Larry to stand forth, take the right hand of fellowship with you.